Romans uh, chapter 14. How many of you ever seen Fiddler on the Roof? Man, I thought there'd be more people than that. All right. Well, never mind then. Uh, There's a. There's. Probably one of the most famous songs in there is a song where Tevier cries, Tradition! And. it, uh, it, it embodies a, a thinking shared by all of us in every century. And um, we all have uh, uh, traditions that we, we maintain that because they link us. They link us in history, right? That's why we like traditions. They link us in history. Um, and, they, and, they, and, they, and, they, and they and they can bind us um, into uh, groups that, that we can identify and often, many times, we would sometimes don't even know where some of these traditions come from. And uh, uh, I'm, I'm told, you've you probably heard this story before. I've heard it told in the form of a meatloaf, but also heard it told in the form of a ham, uh, where uh, this, this, this family uh, always had an inch or so sliced off from one side of the ham before they put it in the oven. And, and, um, and one of the guys asked, well, why do, they, why do you guys do this? Why do you cut off an inch of the ham before you put it in the oven? And the woman said, because my mother made ham that way. And, and so the woman got the thing in, so she asked her mom, well, why do we uh, cut off? And she said, my mom did it that way. And, and so when they asked her, her great-grandmother about it, she laughed to explain, well, the oven in our first home, of course, was so small, a whole ham wouldn't fit in it. So I had to cut off part of it. You probably heard that before, but um, that's also it's probably a better reason to maintain uh, traditions in that. But um, understandable. Now we have all we all have them, and they, they, there's great value many times in traditions because they give us a sense of uh, of identity, don't they? Um, and uh, but imagine a few thousand years of a tradition. All right, and all of a sudden. Um, that tradition is not necessary in maintaining your identity. I'm talking about the situation in Romans 14 with the um, uh, the Jews who had been so used to having certain foods, certain things that they that they could uh, could could and couldn't have, um, kosher, uh, non-kosher, uh, clean and unclean, uh, and the Jews who who lived in Rome in Paul's day. Where there was a there was a, uh, a, 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 um, a persecution of the Jews in, 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 uh, in the Roman Empire that began to happen, and uh, they were a minority religious group in the Roman Empire, and so you can understand why they were trying to survive and preserve an identity here in the midst of a very often hostile environment. And so they put great emphasis on some of their uh, religious traditions that help preserve their identity. And even things uh, um, that went deeper than traditions, commands of God to Moses through the law that they were to, to, to obey. And they were faced with uh, persecution and, and they had been scattered uh, throughout to the Roman Empire. And um, things like circumcision, avoidance of unclean food, observance of ritual days, especially the Sabbath. These things were a part of their life. And then they come to Christ in the New Covenant. And we shouldn't be surprised when things like this are happening. In that first century, it may be hard for us to, to grasp that trying to 
trying to look at it from our perspective, but maybe you can understand a little bit some of the things that, that they were facing. And so Paul writes in Romans chapter 14, and when you read this chapter, it's like he's put primer on, he's put another coat of paint on, he's going to hit it again, he keeps coming back. Or it's like he's making a, a, a wooden box here, and so he goes around and, uh, and, and, and taps the nail, taps the nail, taps the nail, taps the nail, and he comes down and he taps it a little further, a little further, a little further, and he kind of does this like three times. And so he's, he's, uh, he's going he's gonna to pound it all the way in here in chapter 15, 1 through 13, which um, we're going to look at uh, chapter 15, 1 through 7 next week, and, and uh, uh, 6 and then 7 through 13. Uh, the, the previous week, so we have a couple weeks left in this section here um, where he wraps it all up here. But we're in Romans 14, verses 20 through 23, and he's hitting the nail again another time here. And last week we looked in verses 13 through 19, and we saw that uh, in order for us to uh, um, uh, understand uh, this, how we're to deal with those who are coming from 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 this type of perspective uh, with these traditions, that we need to. In verse 13, he says, "Let us not therefore judge one another anymore, but judge this rather, or judge this about us ourselves, that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion of fall in his brother's way." So we we said we needed to examine our our lives here, discern what. Whether we are an obstacle to growth, an obstacle to growth, um, and, and, and practice the principle of, of deference here. And the, the question came up, well, how far do you go with that? Because uh, if you, if you um, uh, push this to the logical conclusion, it might seem that you will only get as far as the most stringent and, and, and strictly minded person in your congregation. And gave you a little illustration with, with, uh, with Donald, Donald Gray Barnhouse and, and stockings uh, there. But the issue here is about destroying your brother. Destroying your brother. Not that you can't have whole differences of opinions here. But Paul talks about destroying your brother. He talks about the destruction of the work of God that we'll see in verse uh, 20. He said, for me, destroy not the work of God. He says in verse 19, let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and things wherewith one may edify another. Um, in verse 16, he says, Let not your good, the fact that you can enjoy your liberty, be evil spoken of. Verse 15, he says, Destroy not him with thy meat. Earlier in 15, he says, If thy brother be grieved with thy meat. That's not somebody who, um, you know, says, comes up to you and huffs and stomps their foot and says, You offended me. All right? Being grieved there is the idea of you destroying the work of God in their life. Not somebody who easily takes offenses here. In verse 13, he talks about being a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. Um, and that is the idea, again, of, 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 of making an opportunity to, to by flaunting your, your liberty in Christ that you have to destroying your brother. So Paul's talking about destroying your brother means the destruction of the work of God. Verse 20. For meat, destroy not the work of God. Now he has already said in verse 19, follow after, build up. Now he says, don't do it. He says, here's what you don't do. Don't destroy the work of God. So we need to examine our, our hearts, examine entirely. And then in verse 17, uh, he tells us that we need to express eternal values. 
You see, the, the, uh, the older brothers are falling into the same pitfall as, as the weaker brothers by saying, well, why can't I eat this or do this? And they were making life all about these physical things that they were upset with the, um, with the weaker brothers uh, about. And Paul says, no, remember what the, what, the, what the kingdom of God is about in verse 17. It's not meat and drink. It's not these physical, tangible things. But it's about righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. It's not in the externals. It's about the internal, the righteousness and peace and joy, the, 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 um, uh, the, the righteousness of Christ, the, the right acts that flow out, the peace, the steady faith that we have, the joy, the satisfaction. And don't make the mistake, he says, of focusing on the externals. Older brothers, stronger brothers, just like you would accuse the weaker brothers of saying, well, they're hung up on me eating my Sam sandwich. He says... You're hung up on eating your Sam ham sandwich too. That's what he's saying. So you'll shrivel up and you'll shrivel others if you do that. And that's not spiritual uh, maturity. And then the third thing we saw was that uh, if we are ambassador of the king and, and, uh, and that is really who, who we're to represent and live for, it puts everything in perspective when you're, when you're in the other country, if you know who you're representing and, and your purpose here. And he says, uh, exert, serve, work enthusiastically, serve others, direct your life to serve others, pursue selfless service, build each other up. Putting practice the character of, uh, 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 of the kingdom of God, an ambassador of the king. Serve your brothers in the church. Pursue peace. Peace with other Christians. If you're the stronger brother, act like the stronger brother. What's going to build up the church? Well, stronger brothers who, who practice their liberty, but do so discerningly in love to the weaker brother. And who do not look scornfully on the weaker brother. And start and, 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 and destroy him, cause him to begin the path of destruction, but serve Christ. And so that's what he's saying in verse 18. He that in these things serveth Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. Let's therefore follow after the things which make for peace and things wherewith one may edify another. Now let's go to 20. Here. We're going to finish up the chapter, Lord willing, this morning. And as I said, this is, this is hard to, to, to teach and preach. Um, not because of the content, but because there's just so many things you wonder. Um, but it's, there's a deliberation of that. God's given us exactly what He wants us to have. He's deliberately left out things that He doesn't want us to have. And so, I believe that, again, this whole passage, Romans 14 through 15, 13, tells us... In order for the church to grow in unified praise together and build each other up, we need to learn how to deal with our different uh, opinions and preferences. And one of the ways that Paul tells us this happens is in Acts 14.20-23 is through two things. The strong believer and the weak believer need to grow. They need to grow. The strong believer is not to forcefully harm the weak conscience, but he's to grow in love. The weak believer is not to forcefully go against their weak conscience, but grow in their understanding. In other words, the strong believer needs to grow in love. The weak believer needs to grow in understanding. (laughs) Understanding the, the liberty their faith in Christ has. At the same time, the stronger brother doesn't need to flaunt it to the weaker brothers. Um, Number one, 
there is an idea here of gently guarding. Gently guarding in this text, in this passage. I think it comes up a few times. That the strong believer is not to forcefully harm the weak conscience, but he's to grow in love. You see, in verse 20, For meat, destroy not the work of God. All things indeed are pure, but it is evil for that man who eateth with offense. It is good neither to eat flesh, it is, it is good neither to eat flesh nor to drink wine or anything whereby thy brother stumbleth or is offended or is made weak. Again, sometimes we import our English understanding of that word offend. Alright? And it's pretty strong. Alright? It's more like I'm offended because uh, you wore sneakers. Alright? Offend is you're causing somebody to begin to leave the faith here. Okay? Um... Uh, stumble, offend, put a stumbling block in their way. Jesus uses it very forcefully, doesn't he, in the Gospels? He says, if anyone offends these children, it is better for him that what? Millstone be hung about his neck, thrown into the sea. Now, he's not talking about teasing a kid. Alright? Shouldn't tease kids. Alright. Um, he's talking about keeping them out of the kingdom. Keeping them away from Jesus. And so the strong brother is not to forcefully harm the weak conscience. He's to grow in love. Now the weak are not grieved merely if they disagree theologically with the strong. This is the idea here of relating to eternal destruction. I showed you that word that was used in verse 15, destroy. Paul uses it over and over. with, with uh, um, And I don't understand how it works, I've got to be honest with you. But he uses it over and over. We're talking about um, a perishing. So what damages the weak... Is, is the weak are grieved or stumbled uh, or, or fall or destroyed if they imitate the behavior of the strong without having the same faith as the strong. And so what damages the weak then is to engage in behavior that is contrary to their faith and conscience. Because then they would be acting in hypocrisy, right? And that is a, that, that, that's, a, that's a slippery slope there. That injures their conscience. And you can see how the doors can be opened and plunges them to ruin. Because they believe they're violating the command from God. Even though they are. They believe that. And they're convinced it is a, it, it, something that might be a moral absolute. And they, what they need is to gently have their consciences reinformed to new covenant truth. They, they need to partake, though, not with doubt, but in faith in what he's revealed. Because what, what does Paul, uh, the writer of Hebrews say? Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Right? An unbeliever lives in unbelief. Right? They live without faith in God and His Word. Alright? Um, what, what the deal is, uh, in verse um, uh, 21 is when he's talking about your brother stumbling or offended or made weak, it's the idea of wavering in faith. And I believe if we look in Romans chapter 4, Paul has a lot to say about faith in that being anchored in God's truth. And he talks about this man Abraham. And at Romans chapter 4, verse 18, he says, Who against hope believed in hope, that he might become the father of many nations, according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. So he believed God's word, though it physically didn't seem possible, that he in an old age, in his wife's old age, would have a son of the promise. 
And being not weak in faith, considered not his own body now dead, when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. Notice this, verse 20. He staggered not at the promises of God through unbelief. How could he do that? Because he was strong in faith, not weak in faith, alright? He staggered not at the promises of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. And being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. So you see some things that make up strong faith there. Fully persuaded, being able to give glory to God for something, thanks to God uh, for it. Um, uh, It it, it lends some insight into, into strong faith here. Um, and faith is fundamental to Christian living. All of life, believers, all of life is done by trusting God or not trusting God. By believing God or not believing God. There's no gray area there. There's no, there's no well, I kind of trust God. All of life is done in faith or not in faith. That's why, uh, as I mentioned, you can have unbelievers who do wonderful, virtuous things. <coughs> But yet the Bible can still call the righteousness as filthy rags are not done in faith. Do you want to know what lack of faith does? Go to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. Verse 18 through 25. He kind of unpacks it here. He talks about those who suppress and verse 18 who hold the truth down. It's like, you know, when you're winding up the jack in the box. And you stop it right there, and you put your hand on the lid, and then, right? Holding down the truth, suppressing the truth. Suppressing was meant to, 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 be, to be displayed. That's what the unbelievers do. Verse 19, because that which we may be known of God is manifest, and for God has showed it unto them. They're without excuse. Verse 20. Uh, verse 21, because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were what? Thankful. And notice the progression now. But became vain in their imaginations. Their foolish heart was darkened. Pressing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into image. Verse 24, God gave them up. Changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the Creator who is blessed forever. And that begins the unraveling, right? You see, faith gives glory to God. Because it has taken hold of the fact of what we just sang this morning. That God is worthy of our faith. He is the worthy object of our faith. Of our trust. He will do what He has said. And are walking, and we're to walk according to what God is said has said. Paul tells the Colossians, "Walk worthy of your calling." Okay, what's your calling? It's what God has called us to. What has He revealed about uh, Himself and, uh, and us in relation to that? Walking by faith demonstrates that God is worthy of glory. He is excellent. And he is perfectly trustworthy in contrast to walking by unbelief. Romans 1, 18-25. So, walking by faith in God's Word, and there's a reason I'm bringing this up. It's in play into the Romans 14. If walking by faith in God's Word is the only way to please God, then anything else is what? Sin. Idolatry. Because who are you putting your faith in? If you're not walking by faith in God, you're putting yourself in the pilot's seat, aren't you? Alright? And, um, 
and, 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 and to act in such terms, then you're not able to give God thanks, recognize His Lordship, verse 6, but you make your own convenience or pleasure the standard of your actions, and you fall back in the worst kind of idolatry, self. And so that plays into this passage here, because Paul says to not have the faith to participate in this liberty, and yet to still do it, is a serious thing. That's why you can say in verse 23, whatsoever is not of faith is sin. But there's condemnation if he that doubteth eats because he doeth it not of faith. That's why the issue of faith is important in this passage. And that's why I have to tell you, that's why Paul is not content that you stay weak in faith. Alright? Um, that you become strong in faith. But it also sheds light on why the weak in faith who would, would be moving toward destruction whether there's a stumbling block to their weak faith. And the stronger brother should not want to stifle the flame of the weaker brother by flaunting liberty that they haven't understood yet. Listen, it is more important for them not to be forced against their conscience and grow to understand the new covenant life than force their hand because Paul says that can lead to destruction of what God is at work in. And our liberty is great. And our liberty is wonderful. And our liberty is to be enjoyed. But you know what's even more wonderful than our great liberty? The great commandment. The great commandment. And the new commandment to love the brethren. So in verse 22, he says, uh, Hast thou faith? Have it to thyself before God. Happy is he that condemneth not himself in the thing which he alloweth. Now, have you noticed, he's not saying they need to be quiet about their faith. The stronger brothers need to be quiet. That's who he's speaking to. They need to be quiet about their faith. I don't think you find that in the New Testament. Alright? He's not even told to never, uh, they aren't even told to never mention views in matters or speak of their freedom. But the need for the strong is not to put a stumbling block in the way of the weaker. Don't brag about your convictions or practice freedom in a way that would cause destruction of the weaker. And he says this. He says, happy is he that condemneth not himself in that thing which he allowed. Anybody know what that word happy is? It's the word blessed. You remember the Beatitudes? Blessed is the man. Blessed are they. Right? That's the idea. Blessed. It can mean happy as well. Blessed is he that condemneth not himself in the thing which he alloweth. What, what the uh, Apostle Paul is saying is, strong should be content with the blessing that God has given them and enabling them to, uh, to, to, to understand uh, the freedom that they have in Christ. The liberty their faith in Christ has. They don't need to flaunt it to their weaker brothers. You are blessed. Because you can eat this and understand that it is, it is given by God. First Timothy uh, uh, talks about this that, the, that God's good gifts and, and, and that we're, He's given them uh, to us to enjoy them it's when those good things become God's the good become God's that we're in trouble <clears throat> but it's 1 Timothy 4.4 4, he says um, uh, for every creature of God is good and nothing to be refused if it be received with thanksgiving for is sanctified by the word of God and prayer that's why 
In verse 21 he says, It's good neither to eat flesh nor to drink wine nor anything whereby thy brother stumbleth or is offended or is made weak. Verse 20 he says, All things indeed are pure. He's, remember the context here, food. He's not saying everything's okay if you can do it for the glory of God, right? Um, he's saying, he's saying uh, uh, the, the, the context here of meat and food, a drink, and, and, uh, and, and the holy days here. Um, uh, so so there, is, there is the idea here of we need to gently guard. Gently guard. Secondly, I believe implied in this passion, I think you'll see it um, in 15, 1 through 13, is we need to gently guide. The weak believer is not, he makes it clear here, doesn't he, with a gently guard, not to forcefully go against their weak conscience, but to the grow and understanding. And I believe that the strong brother has a nurturing role in this. Notice the word gently. Alright? I think if you look ahead to, to, the, to the other passages and you look at how Paul has, has, has said, you're right, stronger brothers, in your position. He says um, in verse 14, very strongly, I know and am persuaded by the Lord Jesus that there's nothing unclean of itself. He understands that their position is right. It's the attitudes he needs to deal with. And m- many of these issues sometimes are, 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 are steeped in, in superstition. Um, I have um, the, uh, some, some girls in my family that, um, uh, who are not here, right? Okay. Um, they, they, they have a lamp in their room that when the hall light goes off becomes very terrifying to them as they see the silhouette of that lamp. It's a torch. It's a IKEA torch lamp, and and you know they know what it looks like. They know what it is. When the lights go off, they're very scared of that lamp, and uh, we have to take it and we have to put it out in the hallway, and uh, little by little we move it back into the room. Um, uh, but at night it, it's it's scary to them. And and Warren Wearsby says often little children are afraid of the dark and think there's something hiding in the closet. Of course, mother knows that the child is safe, but her knowledge alone cannot assure or comfort the child. You can't ever argue a child into losing fear. I tried that. I said, okay, this is metal. This is plastic on the top. Here's the light bulb. Here's the cord. You've seen it all day. It's fine when the light's on. What's the deal, right? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter what I say. Does not matter. Um... But her knowledge alone can't assure or comfort the child. He says, you can never argue a child in losing fear. When the mother sits at the bedside, talks lovingly to the child, and assures them that everything is secure, then the child can go to sleep without fear. Knowledge plus love helps the weak person uh, grow strong there. Um, now, what the weaker brothers here uh, had built their um, uh, objections to was not true, was it? It wasn't true. The fact that they couldn't eat this meat. Was that true? They couldn't? Theologically? Mark 7, Jesus says, no, it's not the things that are unclean or unclean. It's, it, it's not the stuff outside of comes out of you. He has made it very clear to Peter that what God has called clean, don't call unclean, etc., right? He's clearly shown. Paul has shown in this passage that the position of the stronger brother is the right one. But it's the attitudes that may creep in. That the liberty he has in Christ need to be dealt with. And he needs to have an attitude of watchfulness and carefulness to the weaker brother. Now I think if you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, which 8 through 10 of 1 Corinthians is kind of like a... Uh, is, 
It's a very similar situation. There are differences. But in 9, verse 20 through 23, you see that Paul um, understands, again, this role here of, of gently guiding. He says... Um, verse 19, For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all, that I might gain the more. You see his idea of gaining the more. I can, I, can, I, can, I can give up this card to get these cards, he says. All right? Unto the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might gain the Jews to them that are under the law. As under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. And them that are without law, so without law. Being not without law to God, but under the law to Christ. That I might gain them that are weak. To the weak that came I as weak, that I might gain the weak. I made all things to all men, and I might by all means save some. And this I do for the gospel's sake, that I might be partaker thereof with you. What's he saying? See the gain, 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 gain? Over and over, he's willing to put this aside because he sees the big picture. All right, he he can condescend, uh, and I say that in the right way, not not in a uh, a prideful way. He can condescend to the weak and to others, not to establish them in their weakness, but to rid them of it. You see, to cause stumbling, Lenski says, to cause stumbling is not the way to this end, for the weak might be destroyed in this weakness. To confirm the weakness by making it the rule for all the strong is again not the way to the end. On the flip side. The way is love that yields so as to enlighten, strengthen, and thus to live above the weakness. When I abstain, the weak weak brother must know that I do so only because I am prompted by love for his sake. Because his weakness is weakness and not strength. Only because I would give him time and help to grow strong. Lenski wrote that um, around the the turn of the century in the 30s. Now, I'll be honest with you. It is very hard in this passage to draw direct parallels to things today. Because in most things, many things today, especially in our circles, are frankly, many times, differences of opinions. And it would be hard to say that they would plunge someone to eternal destruction. But I do think that there, is, uh, there are some, some basic things that we can uh, come, come with away from this passage. Um, in, in Romans chapter 14, and I think this whole section, I think we can, uh, can kind of shake it. We think, 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 think. And there are three things that we can come out with. And, uh, and, and to, to, our, to our challenges to us to, to, to gently guard and to gently guide here into truth. And they, they are these. Um, and this, this, is, this is just my uh, opinions here, all right, based on, based on what we've studied so far. And the first is this. Um, these don't directly parallel. And I said it's hard to find direct parallels. But we will differ over matters that are not the fundamentals of our faith in this room. We will. Um, we do. <laughs> we do. Um, that's not to say that every opinion is valid, by the way. You know, not all opinions are created equal, right? Just like not all religions are created equal, right? Even atheist uh, Bill Maher uh, admits that. He, he's, he, he's against religion, but he says they're not all uh, uh, equal here. Some that are you know, more violent, etc. Um, but we will differ. But the strong are not to walk around in, in constant fear, for little will be left of their Christian liberty, right? Um, go with me to 1 Corinthians 10. 
First Corinthians 10. Maybe you're wondering, how do you know if something is right or wrong that the Bible doesn't um, speak very clearly about? Um, 1 Corinthians 10, verses 25 through 29. Again, this is a passage of Christian liberty. A little different circumstance, but there's some things that um, roll over. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10, 25, Whatsoever is sold in the shambles, that eat, asking no questions for conscience' sake. For the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Here he's, he's reinforcing the faith here. If any of them that believe not bid you to a feast, and ye be disposed to go, go whatever whatever is set before you, eat, asking no question for conscience sake. But if any man say unto you, this is offered in sacrifice in the idols, there's talking to the um, the weaker brothers here in First Corinthians 10. This is offered in sacrifice in the idols, eat not for his sake that showeth it, and for conscience sake. The earth is, for the earth is the Lord's, and the fullness thereof. Conscience, I say, not thine own, but of the other. For why is my liberty judged of another man's conscience? Verse 30. For if I by grace be a partaker, why am I evil spoken of for that which I give thanks? Same, guard gently again. Okay? Now notice this. Verse 31. Whether there, me all know this first, but you know why it's there. Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. Now, did you catch the end of verse 30? For if I by grace be a partaker, why am I evil spoken of for that which I give thanks? Verse 32. Give none offense. Again, that's a, that's a very strong word. Neither to the Jews, nor to the Gentiles, nor to the church of God. Even as I please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many, that they may be saved. Verse 31 is key. It's key. Alright? Luther said this. A Christian man is a most free Lord of all. Little L Lord. Alright? That's the idea of the priesthood of believers. Right? Answers to the Lord. Subject to none. Besides Christ, right? Same here. Over here. A Christian man is a most dutiful servant of all. Subject to all. See, well, those don't, how those are compatible. That's the Christian life. That's the Christian life. Alright? He's free, subject to none. Right? Answers to Christ. Same time, he is a most dutiful servant of all. So I think that's what Paul is, is, is bringing out here as well. Um, we're going to differ over matters that have to back to one of our faith. But Paul says in verse 31, the key is, do all to the glory of God. Can you do this for the glory of God, which also includes the edification of your brothers? That brings glory to God. That's what Romans 14 through 15, 13 is talking about. All right? So, we will differ over matters that are not the fundamentals of the faith. Um... Now, the more things we have in common, the better it is for us, alright? But also, God has given grace for us to, to apply the truth of the gospel in our relationship to one another when we do have disagreements over things that are not the fundamentals. The reason they're called the fundamentals, right? Um, secondly, we need to relate to such matters in a loving manner. In a loving manner. Um, Listen, we need to meet people where they are. The more we win people to Christ, you're going to find out. You're going to have people rocking your, your bar boats here. All right? 
Not everybody's going to have the same background that you have. That's why last Sunday we really spent some time in a gracious uh, attitude in the broken uh, woman there in Luke 7. We need to meet people where they're at. You know, there have been occasions where I have known that people have walked into the door and because their hair was in a certain way, they were treated differently. That has happened. I watched it happen. All right? Or they've been told things like, uh, when they get a haircut, wow, the haircut looks so much better. Right? Or things like that. We need to pe- meet people where they're at and kindly and gently help them grow in their faith. Understanding what the real thing is. It's the internals, right? Uh, and understanding of what God has revealed. But until they do, they should not do what their consciences are telling them not to. Alright? So we need to learn to relate to such matters in a loving manner. Thirdly, and this is what ties it together, 1 Corinthians 10.31, Romans 14-15, we need to keep the glory of Christ through our church's unity in Him as our goal. Romans 14, verse 3. And I'm wrapping up. Let him... Let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not. Let not him which eateth not judge him that eateth. For God hath welcomed, received him. Verse 10. But why dost thou judge thy brother, or why dost thou set it not thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Verse 13. Let us not therefore judge one another any more, but judge this rather. That no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. Now, verses 1 through 12, the, the, it's, it's more um, heavily weighted toward the, the weaker brother's responsibility. Verses 13 on, get, and 15, 1 through 7, uh, a strong weight on the, on the stronger brother. So the idea is don't condemn, condemn believers who think differently. Don't treat each other with condescension and scorn as though either you're the righteous remnant. Or, you're the more enlightened ones. Right? Jesus is the Supreme Lord, not me, not you. So we must determine never to be a source of stumbling. And understand what that means, okay? Second, you must live as citizens of the King. Ambassadors of the King. Concentrating on what is eternal and what's temporary. I think if you go to other countries or you're involved in mission work, you can start to see this a little bit more. Um, what things are uh, eternal principles and what things change over time. Thirdly, we must actively pursue that which benefits other believers. Which benefits them. Not just makes them happy, though it might make them happy too. But what benefits other believers, okay? Fourth, I think from this section here, we must do all that we do with a clear conscience. Whatsoever is not of faith is sin, right? Verse 23. And have a conscience that's informed by the Word of God. So we need to keep the glory of Christ, our goal through our church's unity in Him. It seemed like a tall order. It is. It really is. It really, really is. Do you, do you think it's easy? It's not. But that's why the Holy Spirit dwells within us, and that's why He gives us His Word. He's given us the tools. 
He's given us the tools. Um, but it is not easy. Because it means many times you've got to die to self. You've got to live to righteousness. And so, we need God's help. We need God's help in all these things. Let's pray.